0: to be with you this morning. I bring you greetings from your brothers and sisters in Christ, the heartland, in the name of our Lord and Je- Savior, Jesus Christ. We're excited to to see what Christ is doing, what the Holy Spirit is doing through Kirk of the Plains and through you guys. It brings me joy um, to hear from Rick. Um, I've only been here a year and a few months and I already look up to Rick um, and have have had several opportunities to fellowship and be around Rick and you've got a, a great pastor and so we're excited to see what the Lord is doing. We're going to focus this morning on John 14 verse 6 if you'll open up your copy of God's Word to John 14:6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Can I ask God's blessing one more time before we go to his word Christ we ask that you would you would stir our hearts this morning that your Holy Spirit would be present that you would convict us of our sin and that you would draw us to Christ once again Lord we ask that you would speak and that you would speak boldly and compassionately clearly for if you do not speak through your Holy Spirit and through your word Lord I am an empty gong and so we ask Lord take your word and apply it to your people's hearts we ask this in Christ's name Amen several months ago I had the privilege of ministering to the rohingya refugees in bangladesh with several members from heartland also with your own sarah johnson and it was it was an absolutely incredible trip but if i'm completely honest with you it kind of started a little rough okay it it all started on a road trip that we took down to texas and where we were going to catch our first flight out of the country and we're about an hour outside of the airport and my phone dies don't judge me because i had it plugged up it was plugged into the phone charger and it just dies and so usually this isn't a big deal unless you're using your phone for directions and so this panic begins to well up inside of me and i just Calmly start asking around. Hey, do you do you have a phone? Can I could I borrow your phone? Nobody brought a phone on the trip, and so you know we're. It's fairly crucial at this point that we know where to turn. We're already we're running late and we're we're running out of time, and so so. Phil Challens finally he, he reaches into his bag and he says, Hey man, you can you can try this. It's a it's a charger, there's only one bar left, but I mean who knows? And so I plug my phone in. Nothing. Doesn't work. And so we end up seeing this this sign for uh, the airport and we pull off, we get down to the intersection, and nothing. It doesn't tell us which way to go. And so we're like, great, well let's just stop. We'll fill up with gas. We'll use the restroom. We jump back in the car, and we're pulling out. And every, the consensus in the, the van is, well, let's just keep on going down the interstate. Maybe it was further down. And the phone comes to life. And it guides us into the airport. And literally, as we're pulling into the car rental place to drop the car off, the phone dies again. And so long story short, we made the plane trip. Uh, lots of fear and intrepidation, but we made it. Um, and the reason I tell you that story, though, is that we were completely lost without the GPS. We, ha- we had no idea where the airport was, and we had no- even if we did know, we had no idea how to get there. We were completely lost. <laughs> This is similar to what we hear in Thomas's question this morning in our text. Lord, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How in the world do we know the way? And so this morning I would, I would like to look at Jesus' answer to Thomas. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 14:6. That is probably the most exclusive statement ever made. And therefore, it's probably one of the most divisive and hated statements of our time. And so let me urge you this morning, if you're struggling with the exclusivity of that statement, let me, let me encourage you this morning not to focus on its divisiveness, Or is it exclusivity? But focus on what it means. What does it mean that Jesus is the way? What does it mean that Jesus is the truth? What does it mean that Jesus is the life? See, if you understand these things, only then will you understand why Jesus must be exclusive in his claim. And so this morning, we're going to look at our text under three points. How is Jesus the way? How is Jesus the truth? And how is Jesus the life? Now, before we, before we jump into our three points, let's, let's just set the stage a little bit. Jesus is setting his eyes towards the crucif- crucifixion. Christ is clearly preparing himself and he's, his disciples for the culmination and the climax of his earthly ministry. And our, our text takes place right after the Lord's last supper with his disciples. And he's, and he's still in the upper room and he begins to teach his disciples about his, his upcoming death and, and the resurrection and the, the coming of the Holy Spirit and, and the, his exaltation. And he utters this famous verse now with this we need to understand that Jesus doesn't just randomly pull these three statements out of thin air he doesn't just make them up in an effort to teach his disciples about salvation it's not like he's saying "Okay, how how can I illustrate this for these guys Uh, I got it I'm the way, the truth, and the life absolutely not it's actually just it's actually quite the opposite. Each of these statements is rooted in the Old Testament. Each of these claims is, is woven into the fabric of the teaching that these men, his disciples, would have received as Jews. Jesus is making a, a bold claim with these statements and the disciples sitting around listening to him would have picked up on this. They would have known it. And so as, as 21st century Christians, we, we don't read the New Testament by itself. We take the New Testament and the Old Testament together. If we don't take them together, then we miss some of the nuance of what Christ is teaching his apostles or his, his disciples. Jesus didn't separate the two and, and neither can we. For example, when Jesus says, I am the way, that I am statement is actually a divine reference back to the revelation God gave Moses in the burning bush. Exodus 3, 13-14. Then Moses said to God, if, if I come to the people of Israel and I say to them, The God of your Father has sent me to you. And they asked me, What's his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Say this to the people of Israel I am has sent me to you. And so when, when Jesus says, I am. He is claiming to be none other than God Himself, the great I Am. And just in case, in case it's not clear, He goes on in a few verses in John fourteen eleven. He says, Believe in Me that I am in the Father and the Father is in Me. In other words, Jesus is God. And this isn't the only place in the book or in the New Testament where where Jesus claims to be God and makes such a bold statement. Seven times throughout the book of John, Jesus makes reference to Himself as the Great I Am. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door of the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I am the true vine. So, when Jesus gives us directions here, it's not like we're stopping by our local quick trip to figure out directions, where you take a left and a left and a right, and did you say a left again. No, this is God Himself speaking. God Himself has told you how to get there, how to be saved, how to be reunited with your God. It is God who speaks. The other thing that we should take note of here is is where Jesus puts the emphasis. You see, when I read verses 1 through 6, and I would guess most modern Christians, when they read verses 1 through 4 in particular, their mind immediately, or my mind immediately, goes to heaven, and the glories of heaven. But notice when Jesus answers Thomas' question, He doesn't mention heaven. He mentions our heavenly Father. You see, we would expect Jesus to say, Oh, you want to get to heaven? Oh, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to heaven except through me. But he doesn't. He takes the disciples' eyes and he points them to his heavenly Father. He takes our eyes, And he focuses them on God. Now, biblically and and theologically, it's a natural transition, right? You can't have heaven without God. But practically speaking, our hearts and our affections often focus on one to the exclusion of the other. It's easy for us to look forward to a day when there will be no more tears and no more sorrows And we subtly forget the God who makes it possible. The reason there is no more sorrow, and no more tears, and no more death, no more sin, because that is where the perfect and the holy God of heaven dwells. If you want to go to heaven, but you could care less about the God of heaven, then something's wrong in your heart. Heaven isn't just an eternal tropical vacation. It's a place where God dwells in his full splendor and glory. And where that is revealed to his people to worship him for eternity. Jesus takes our focus and he puts it squarely on the God who rules and reigns in heaven. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now this brings us to our first point, our first question. How is Jesus the way? Remember, this statement is rooted in the Old Testament. So think back with me to the Garden of Eden. Before sin entered the world, Adam and Eve had intimate communion with God. And yet, when they rebelled against God, that relationship was broken. Their relationship died. And they were exiled. And they were exiled from the garden, and they were exiled from the presence of God. And this separation is drastically illustrated for the people of Israel in the tabernacle and in the temple as the curtain divided the Holies of Holies, that inner sanctuary where the Ark of the Covenant were, was kept, from the, it, it was separate from the rest of the temple. No one could enter into the Holies of Holies and the presence of the Lord. Even the most holy of God's servants, the high priest, was only allowed to enter once a year. And only after he atoned for his sin. Mankind in our sin was and is cut off from God. And so a desperate search begins. A desperate search for the way back to God. And, and you see it throughout the Old Testament writings. Isaiah 35, 8-10 And a highway shall be there and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it. It shall belong to those who walk on the way. Even if they are fools, they shall not go astray. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast come upon it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing." Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads and they shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and sighing shall be far away. Jeremiah 6.16 Thus says the Lord, Stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your souls. And so Jesus says, I am that way. If you want to come to the Father, you must come through me. If you want access into the holies of holies, you must come through me. And this is what Hebrew 9.12 proclaims to us. He entered once for all into the holy places, not by the means of the blood of goats and calves, but by the means of his own blood, thus securing eternal redemption. If we are to be reconciled to God, if we want to know the way back to God, it must come through the reconciliation that Christ alone accomplished for us in his life, his death, and his resurrection. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This brings us to our second of Christ's statement. I am the truth. And so we ask, how is Christ the truth? Again, it begins in the garden. Do you remember how Satan tempted Adam and Eve to disobey God? He lies. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. He contradicts what God has just told them. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Adam and Eve knew God. They knew the truth about God. And yet, they believed a lie. Instead of the truth And this this war has been r- raging ever since then Do you remember what happened with the second Adam With Christ as he fasted in the wilderness for 40 days Satan came to Christ and he lies And he, that is Satan, said to him All these things I will give you If you will fall down and worship me Those weren't Satan's things to give Christ in the first place. And again, the father of lies tries to slowly subvert the truth, to twist the facts, to misrepresent the character and the purpose of God. Richard Phillips says, Satan's lies suggested that God's commands are not for our good and that the way for mankind to experience freedom and blessing is by breaking God's commands. This lie has marked the way of sin ever since the beginning. From the very beginning, there wages a war between the truth that is found its Christ and the lies of the evil one. And so Christ proclaims to us that he is the truth. If you want to know the character of your God, look to Christ. If you want to know the truth about God, look to Christ. If you want to know God Himself, look to Christ. For John 1.17 says, For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth. Came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He, that is Christ, He has made Him known. Christ isn't saying that the Old Testament isn't truth, and He isn't saying that it doesn't reveal truth about God. He is saying that the truth about God in its fullest and its clearest revelation is only found in Him. He alone fulfills all of the teaching in the Old Testament. Again, Richard Phillips. Jesus is the way to God not only by what He did for the lost mankind, dying on the cross for our sins, but also in revealing the truth of God so that we might believe and come to God through faith in Him. To know God you must know Christ. To understand the truth about God, you must first know Christ. But to take it a step further, we would also say, to truly know ourselves, to truly know mankind and this creation, we must know Christ. A.W. Pink says, Truth is not found in a system of philosophy, but in a person. Christ is the truth. He reveals God and He exposes man. In Him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In a a world, in a society that places so little stock in the truth, The church must not waver, but proclaim it over and over and over again. When the world, like Pilate, asks, What is the truth? We must remind them of Christ's answer. (coughs) For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. And everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. John 18.37 Christ has come to reveal to us God. For He is the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Him. If you had known me, you would have known the Father, Christ says. No one knows the truth of God except by knowing Christ. This brings us to our final statement. I am the life. And so we ask, how? How is Jesus the life? Again, we find ourselves standing in the garden with Adam and Eve, listening to a warning given to them by God. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. You see, when Adam and Eve sinned, death entered the world. Both spiritual death and physical death. Romans 6.23 reminds us that the wages of sin is death. You see, apart from Christ we are spiritually dead. Death's power and curse continue to ravage life, continue to ravage our relationships. In this life, sin increasingly makes life into a living death. It it, it saps us of satisfaction and hope. Have you ever noticed That sin entices and it lures us with the promise of pleasure and the promise of satisfaction. And yet, when we finally give in and we finally taste of that sin, it turns dry and it turns bitter and it doesn't fulfill. Its call of fulfillment and its joy quickly turns to emptiness and self-loathing. And so Christ reminds us, I am the life that you're looking for. He, he has come to break the shackles of death and sin in our life. He has come to give us life. He promises to us in John 10.10, 10, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And this isn't the abundance of life that the world offers with all of its riches and glory, but a hope and an assurance and a purpose that only Christ gives. R.C. Sproul reminds us that this life is not just a mere existence. We're not just getting through. He says that existence is in fulfillment of God's design that we should be His living temple. And this renewed life that begins in Christ will continue on through eternity. For sin brought not only spiritual death, but physical death. And so in Christ's death, we find life, not just for now, but for eternity for he says I am the resurrection and I am the life whoever believes in me though he die yet shall he live and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die do you believe this he asks do you believe this It's, it's a necessary question it's a question that we all must ask do I believe this Do you have the life that Christ offers? Or do you still exist in death? A slave to sin, ensnared in immorality. In Jeremiah, the Lord puts a choice before the people. It's a choice that we're faced with. Right now, he says, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I set before you the way of life and the way of death. Jeremiah twenty-eight, 29, 8. Brothers and sisters, which way will you go? What path are you on? Christ proclaims to you, I am the way. I, I am the truth and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so, I plead with you. Christ pleads through His Word. Turn to Him this morning. Know the truth of God. Repent and turn to Christ and find life and have faith in Christ alone and be made right with God for He alone is the only way. To God. Skip Ryan in a book he wrote tells us of having served on a special project for the United States Department. And and this working group that he was assigned to once held a meeting in the White House. And it was in the Roosevelt room, and it was right across from the Oval Office. And And after the meeting was over, one of the State Department officials asked Ryan, said, hey, would you like to see the Oval Office? And Ryan recalls two things about the visit. First, the awe he felt at being in such a place. And the second was that there was no way possible for him to get into that room without Someone official, someone who had access, taking him there. If that's true of the office of the President of the United States, how much more true is it of the glorious presence of our holy and almighty God, our Father in Heaven? Remember what Christ has done for you. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Our only hope to come to God is through Jesus Christ. Let's take a moment and let's just reflect on that passage. If you're a Christian, reflect on what what Christ has done for you. Search your heart. Search your heart for ways that you have You have gone astray. Things that we should repent of. If you are an unbeliever this morning and you don't know Christ as the way, the truth, and the life, turn to Him. Use this opportunity to pray and to ask Him for salvation. Let's just pause a moment. Father, we thank you for your word. Christ, we thank you for your life and your death and your resurrection. Lord, we thank you for the reminder of what you have done for us. That as Christ followers, that we are united with God. Lord, I pray that you you would help us take that truth with us so that we might worship you so we might really be reminded of the truth, Lord, and so that we could share that truth with others. Christ, we thank you. We give you all the glory and the honor. We ask this in your name, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Let's sing in response to God's truth. Let's sing to God. Be the